Tonight here at Ground Zero Ministries, we're going to talk about the valley. You know, many years ago as I was coming to, to know the Lord and, you know, Psalm 23 is a, a very familiar passage that many of us may have heard. You know, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. You know, and it really spoke to me because the valley of the shadow of death was an actual real place. You know, it was where kings would go to war. You know, that they're like, hey, I'll meet you all back at the playground. You know what I mean? It was that place that everybody would go fight. You know, so there was this valley where kings would emerge with their armies and they would go to war and one of the armies would walk away and one of the armies wouldn't. So there was a lot of death that took place in this place. You know, so you can only imagine, you know, the super superstitions and 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 myths and, and rumors that would take place because there was so much death in this one place that, you know, it would be haunted or it would be cursed or it would be whatever, you know, they would make up a myth that was going on in this place. So it, it had this stigma that was hooked to it, you know, and as I began to, to try to, to grow with the Lord, it came to my understanding the worst value of the shadow of death that I could possibly face was between my ears. Now, I believe that we all have valleys of the shadow of death that we face. Sometimes it's our family. <laughs> Sometimes it's our workplace, you know, that we go to these places and we're always at war. You know, and for me back then, the place that I was always at war was between my ears. And I had no idea how to fix it. You know, everything that I heard every day was gloom and doom, negativity, you know. You know, and through going through the system and being in the system for many years, you know, I had several different diagnoses and and, and I just began to believe what everybody was telling me about myself. You know, and then as you come to Jesus, you're hearing this alternative of what you're supposed to believe. And it would come against everything that I was taught. You know, well, the doctor said this, and the physician said that, and the psychiatrist said this, and my family said that, and the meeting said this. And so there's all these things that I would own as part of my identity. And I didn't know enough to know what to do at, at that point. So as I was trying to walk through the valley of the shadow of death in my mind, I would lose the war more times than I would win. Because I, I didn't really realize that I had more control over my thinking at that point in time. Whatever popped in my head is what I thought. Whatever popped in my head is what I did. Whatever popped in my head is how I felt. Whatever popped in my head is where I was. I didn't realize that there was this ability to work on what was going on between my ears. You know, and for many years, I was very angry and depressed and suicidal and, you know, obviously had addiction issues, you know, and I was very impulsive all the time. Because at any given second, I'd have a new thought in my brain. You know, and as I started to work 
on myself and do step work and read other material and read Christian material and read different books and go to counseling and have conversations. You know, everybody would tell me that, you know, I could, you know, I had stinking thinking, you know, and, you know, you could restart your day anytime you want. And I'm like, that makes absolutely no sense. You know, and I really fought against some of the things that we would hear in the recovery community, you know, just one day at a time. And I'm like, I'm going to choke you. You know, like I, I don't understand some of the stuff, you know, and even coming into Christianity, you know, people, Oh, God loves you. And I'm like, I just don't get that. You know, your sins can be forgiven. I'm like, I don't get that either. You know, I always thought that I had to prove that I was going to be forgivable before I could be forgiven. You know, so I, I argued with people that were trying to tell me what the Bible said. And I'm like, I don't care what the Bible says. This is the way it is. So my thinking trumped other things, which was very dangerous for me. And it led me down the wrong path many, many times in my life. You know, and as I continued to grow and work on things and, and learn how to pray and learn how to, you know, to, to not be so impulsive and, and, you know, use different slogans and use different things in my life to help me to, to not just react every time I had a thought because I had no idea how to respond to things. I was always very reactive. You know, I thought it, I did it. You know, I got angry. I had to act. You know, you know, I wanted something, I went and did it. You know, I didn't realize that there could be something else that took place between my ears. You know, and as I continued to try to grow with the Lord, you know, I felt like I was going insane. More insane than I was, anyway. You know, and I, and I would go to appointments and they would say, are you hearing voices? I'd be absolutely not. You're not locking me up again. <laughs> you know, you know, and to be honest, everybody hears voices. What is it that we're hearing is up for debate. You know, and I didn't know what to do with it. As I grew with the Lord, I would say that, you know, that the voice that I would heard all of a sudden started to change. And at that point in time, I called it the three voices. I couldn't explain it. I didn't understand it. I didn't talk about it. You know, so many of you in here might be going through something similar at this point in time. And you also feel like you can't talk about it because you actually feel crazier than you were yesterday as I did back then, you know, and the three voices to me were my voice, which was always there, but yet the enemy's voice, which was also always there, now was separate from my voice. And it was telling me to do all the things that I wanted to do. Had some really great ideas on how to accomplish some things, and I really wanted to do what the enemy was telling me to do, but then there's this other voice that was totally trying to get me to not do the things that I wanted to do. And I didn't quite understand why it was asking me to do certain things because none of the things it was suggesting was any fun. So here I am in the middle trying to determine 
what's going on, and I felt really insane. Because my voice was in the middle now, trying to determine what I'm listening to. You know, now I can interpret the enemy is trying to tempt me, and the Lord was trying to lead me. What the enemy wanted me to do was continue in sin, you know, and came up with some really great ideas on how to accomplish some of those things. And the Lord was telling me to not do any of those things and to not do anything fun ever again in my entire life, which was my interpretation of what he was saying, but that wasn't true. Because we think when we get Jesus or we think when we're getting sober, when we think we're starting to change, that all the fun ever is going to leave forever and we're never going to have a moment of fun ever, ever, ever again. And that's just not true. You know, it's a lie of the enemy. You know, and he also tries to lie to us that if we give up certain things that our life is going to be over. You know, that. but what we don't realize is that the Lord has something so much better for us we just don't know what it is, and it's hard to wrap our mind around because everything the enemy is trying to lead us with is familiar to us on some level or another. We have some ability to, to understand it and some contents to, you know, step in that direction because it makes sense. Where What the Lord was trying to do in my life was take these radical steps of selflessness and self-control and surrender and trust and all that stuff was very foreign to me. And here I am in the middle thinking I'm going insane because I not just have one voice. Now I have three voices and I'm in the middle, very confused because I always thought that I just had a voice, but all of a sudden my voice was now the enemy's voice. And it was very confusing for me, you know, and you know, as I continued to try to read the word, and and that also was very confusing in the beginning because I didn't understand the context. I didn't understand the lingo. I didn't understand who the people were. I didn't understand where the places were. You know, and that's when I was given the, the study Bible that we still hand out today. You know, we give you the Gospel of John. If you don't have one, we'll give you one tonight. You know, it's New Living Translation Application Study Bible. And it has a lot of the answers to the questions that pop into your mind at the bottom of the page. So it makes it easier to continue reading because at least you have some context of what you're reading. Where when I read the Bible without the study notes, I just get to the end of the page and be confused. And then I would try to read it again and still be confused. And I'm like, all right, we'll just chalk that up. You know, and, and I would move on and I would read and every once in a while, Something would make sense, or I would like that, and this, you know, and I would, you know, still try to understand the Bible because everybody's telling me that I need to read this thing, but it, it didn't make a lot of sense. You know, and I've tried different types of Bibles, but the Bible that we use now is that uh, New Living Translation Life Application Study Bible, and it, it just gives a lot of the answers that you normally would ask yourself as you're trying to read. And I find that it's easier to keep on moving when you understand what you're reading. You know, when you don't understand what you're reading, you just want to say, you know, screw this. I'm not doing it anymore. That's just me. And I think that a lot of us think the same way. So that's the Bible that we use. But, you know, there's a lot of key verses. And, and these are some of my soapbox verses. So some of you have heard them before. But, you know, I, 
I find that it's it's very important that we really understand certain things because they become you know tools in our our tool shed or they become weapons in our arsenal and it's we can use these scriptures and we can use these principles on a regular basis that it really helps us to take that next step forward. You know, so second Corinthians 10, three through five. So <clears throat> as we walk in the flesh and we are waging more according to the flesh for weapons or our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments on every lofty, opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. See, taking a thought captive was new to me. In one of the translations, it says arrest the thought and bring it back to the obedience of Christ. Now, I've been arrested several times. I understand what arrested means. You know, taking something captive, you know, I understand that too, but arresting something made a lot of sense to me because when I've been arrested, I can't move. I get thrown, I get little pretty bracelets put on my wrists and I get put in the back of a police car and then I get taken to a holding cell. And if, been, if I've been a bad enough boy, I get sent to, to lock up and then I get sent into county jail and you get a nice, beautiful orange jumpsuit that you get to wear for an extended period of time. Arrested. I get that principle. So if I'm to arrest a thought, that means it can't do what it wants to do. Because everything in me, when I wanted to get away from being arrested, I could not do. As much as I told the police that they should just let me go while I was trying to have fun, they didn't buy it. And they just kept me being arrested. As much as I told the judge that I had a job and I shouldn't go to jail and she laughed at me, I continued to be arrested. You know. And see, this principle of arresting thoughts means that I have to hold on to a thought and not let it do what it wants to do. But how do I determine what thoughts need to be arrested and what thoughts don't need to be arrested? You know, that still was, you know, to be determined. See, <clears throat> the idea of the valley is that it's a low place. You know, all rivers... Most rivers flow south. Most of my thinking pattern went south. There's only a very small percent of, of the rivers in the, in the world that actually flow north. But technically, gravity takes us down. So rivers have this idea that if I have my thinking pattern and I'm in the valley, I'm heading in the wrong direction. It's a principle. It's not, you know, necessarily anything other than a, a spiritual principle and something that's helped me to wrap my mind around my thinking patterns in the sense that most of my thinking goes south. Most of my thinking patterns bring me down. You know, and I have to learn to arrest those so that I can begin to understand how to go north. You know, how do I turn up? How do I, you know, take my thoughts to God? Like, I didn't know how to do any of those things. You know, I was always in the valley. I was always in the low place. I was always in the dark place. I was always going in the wrong direction. I was always thinking downward, negative, angry, depressive, suicidal, addictive, impulsive, reactive. You know, there's a lot of different ways that I thought 
And at that point in my life, all that stuff was heading in the wrong direction. You know, there's a flow. There's rocks in our mind. You know, that flow certain ways. And they've been flowing certain ways for a long, long time. You know, how do you just dam up a river and say, oh, I'm going to hold that. I'm going to rest this river and it's not going to think these thoughts anymore. It's not true. It's not possible. It takes a lot of time to even build a dam to arrest the thought, to put it in the Jesus jail is what God gave me many, many years ago is I got to put these thoughts in the Jesus jail and not let them bounce around it and do what they want to do because they're very destructive. You know, and I don't know how to get myself out of the valley. But the Lord wants to come into our places of thinking, our places of of being, our places of doing, our whole identity and begin to shift things according to his word and according to who he is. And I just didn't understand how to do that. You know, but I also knew that the majority of my thinking was taking me in the wrong direction. And yet here's this one little voice that's saying, hey, come over here, trust me. Hey, come over here, why don't we pray about that? You know, why don't you just be patient with that? You know, why don't you just let go of that? Why don't you just forgive that person? Why don't you just, you don't call that person today? And it was like, every time I hear this little voice, it was never telling me anything that was fun. And I have this other voice that's screaming at me, Let's go have fun. And I'm, but I'm also recognizing everything that's suggesting that I would classify as fun is the very things that I don't want to really do anymore. And it was very difficult for me to resist that. But I also knew every time I take a step in that direction, complete destruction begins to take place in my life. You know, and there had to be this shift that took place in my mind, and I didn't understand how to technically do it because I didn't know how to renew my mind. I didn't know how to think different thoughts. I didn't know how to hold thoughts captive. I didn't know how to arrest the thought. I didn't know how to put it in the Jesus jail. I didn't know that I could not think the things that I think. But today I've come to understand that if a thought pops in, it's up to me how long it stays there. But for the majority of my life, I did not know that. It was only until I came into Christianity, and it's only until I I started to develop a prayer life, and it's only until I began to listen to the Holy Spirit, I realized that I could tell thoughts to kick rocks. I could put them in the Jesus jail. I could tell them, not today, Satan. I could tell them to get behind me. I tell them, I'm not doing that. I could tell myself, no. I didn't know that was a thing. Like, I've never told myself, no. Do you want to do that? Yes. I didn't know how to say no. But I've come to understand that no is a very powerful word, and it's a very important word that we all need to learn and especially need to tell ourselves. I've also learned that God says no way more than he says yes. I've also learned that when he does say yes, his no's make that yes very powerful. I'm grateful for his no's today. But as a new Christian, I didn't like his nose. I didn't know how to understand a no. I've never been allowed to 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 appreciate no. Because I was a manipulative person. And anytime I heard no, I just went around it. 
I just did what I wanted to do. But I always found myself in that valley. See, when I do what I want to do, I find myself destroying the things that I touch. And I don't mean it. It's not like I want to. It's not like I want to completely explode my life. But somehow my self-will, my sinful nature, goes in the wrong direction and really begins to destroy the things that I care about. You know, in Galatians 5.13, it says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. You know, as I began to to get some distance between, you know, what the enemy was trying to get me to do and, and what I sort of wanted to do but not really anymore, you know, there started to be this freedom that started to come inside of my heart. You know, and my mind began to become more free. That I realized that as I arrested thoughts and put them in the Jesus jail, as I held those thoughts captive and brought them back to the obedience of Christ, brought them back to the obedience of his word, is how I deciphered that that I, I began to, to see that there was more clarity in my mind, there was more peace in my mind, that I wasn't at war all the time with what was going on between my ears. You know, that I believe that there's a freedom that we all have available to us. I also think it takes a lot of work. You know, many of us have been thinking pretty crazy things since we were young. You know, I grew up in a very abusive environment. You know, even though I went to church, I don't remember being taught a lot of Christian principles. I didn't understand Jesus at all other than presents and Easter eggs. Like, you know, and you get cookies when the guy stops talking. That's all I remember. Just sit there, be quiet. You get cookies and juice if you behave. And I'm like, okay, I'll sit here. I didn't understand a relationship with Jesus. I never was taught the gospel that there was freedom for my sin because of what Jesus had done. You know, and that I could use his word as a sword to come against the lies and the deception of the enemy. You know, and <clears throat> it's no wonder that I ran from God in my adolescence and in my 20s because God didn't make any sense to me that he was just angry and it, you know, wanted me to send me to hell if I didn't behave. Well, I've never behaved my entire life, so this is futile. You know, I'm going to end up in the wrong spot no matter what I do. You know, if this is about rules, I'm screwed. It's not. It's about grace. It's about love. And his love wants to come in and transform our hearts, that he writes the gospel on us from the inside out. And it's not about us behaving today. It's about knowing who he is and that that love has penetrated the depths of our darkness. And that love wants to come in and transform us into who he is. And we just got to let him. But we also need to get into his word to know who he truly is, to know what he actually taught. So that when someone's trying to teach us or we hear some TV preacher or we hear some random guy with tattoos talking about Jesus, is he actually telling the truth or not? It's important that we know our Bibles 
So we know the people that we're listening to are actually telling us the truth. You know, and I didn't understand that. You know, there's a lot of teachers in my life that I look back at and they weren't teaching the truth. And I'm not talking about just in the church. I'm talking about in school, talking about a lot of different places. There's a lot of things that I believed before I got to Christ that after it took some time of me growing with Christ, I don't believe those things anymore. Why? Because the Lord had renewed the way that I think. You know, but God gave me a verse many, many years ago to help to, to work on sorting this stuff out. Because dealing with the three voices all the time, I felt like I was insane and I felt like I was alone and I didn't want to talk to anybody because I thought that they would think I was insane and I definitely wasn't going to talk to any medical professionals because they were going to lock me up. You know, and as I was reading one day, I was reading in Galatians. In Galatians 5:22 through 25, this little tidbit popped out to me. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong in Christ have nailed these passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. And since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every parts of our lives. And I had this aha moment. If there's no law against these things, it means that we can have these as much as we want. That if we use the fruits of the Spirit as a filter, because that's God's nature, that just like if we have a tree and it grows and we call it an orange tree, we're not getting apples off it. That God's nature produces God's character. God's fruit comes from God. So if I use the fruits of the spirit as a filter to what I'm thinking, I can begin to recognize if this is a God thought or if this isn't a God thought. Well, is this a me thought or the devil's thought? It doesn't matter. It's not a God thought. You know, so I would begin to think things, and I'm like, is this a God thought? Like, no, I want to hurt that person. Not a God thought. All right. Check. Is this a God thought? I want to go have sex with this person. Nope, not a God thought. I want to wait to do something. Is that a God thought? Patience. That's a God thought. I don't want to really do that. Maybe I should do that. I don't want to do that. Yeah, I probably should do that. All right, that's a God thought. I'll take a step in that direction. You know, and I began to sort through the chaos that was going on in my head by using just the fruits of the Spirit. Now, as a baby Christian who hadn't read even the majority of the New Testament, had only read a few books of the Bible at best, this became a very important key to me. Because if the whole book is about God and his character is developed and shown to us through the fruits of the Spirit, that the whole book should basically be talking about these very things. The whole Bible should be talking about love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. 
Those are the characteristics of God. Now, is there more? Sure. You know, if you were to study the word and become theologians, could we find some more fruits of the spirit? Absolutely. But I wasn't there yet. So I took these nine words and said, I'm going to start to filter every thought that I think through these nine words. And as I began to do that, I started to recognize how the enemy's voice started to get further and further and further away because I recognized what he was saying. And God's voice began to get louder and louder and louder and louder. And it became easier for me to arrest certain thoughts and get them into the Jesus jail and other thoughts. It's like, all right, I'm going to do that. That's goodness. I'm going to do that. That's patience. I'm going to do it. That's self-control. I'm going to do it. That's loving someone. That's going to do it. I want to hit that person in the face with a shovel. I'm not going to do that. You know, and I began to sort through what was going on in the valley between my ears. You know, and it became a daily discipline. It began to be a practice, and it began to dam up the river that was always going south. And that new pathways began to to be, new rivers began to flow in my mind that were taking me north. You know, and this is a very important principle that I, I have been teaching since God taught me this. You know, I, I pass it on to everybody. You know, I'm sure that it's in the podcast somewhere, but I don't think that there's ever been one specific podcast that really addresses this issue. So as we're continuing to try to bring forth new teachings, there's certain things that we really wanted to address. And this is one of those things that now that we can say, hey, you're struggling when you're thinking, listen to this. We all struggle in our thinking. I struggle in my thinking still today. And this principle, I forget. And I get frustrated and I get angry and I want to smite somebody with God's almighty smiter. And I'm like, God, get the person. And then like through the spirit starts to like pop in. I'm like, I'm busy over here praying. And the Holy Spirit's like, hey, Tom, I love you. And I'm like, I'm all angry and frustrated. And I just want God to bring forth his wrath. I'm like, is that me, Tom? I'm like, no. But I know there's verses I can call down your wrath on people. Is that really what I'm about, Tom? Jesus, why do you got to get involved in my prayer life? Like, I'm over here doing work. I can bring forth the kingdom. Are you, Tom? No. I think that this is an important principle. You know, there's things that happen in our lives, and, and, you know, we get disappointed, we get angry, somebody hurts us, and we gravitate to flowing down the wrong river. I know I do. I wish I could just be all super spiritual and holy and bless them, Lord. That's not my first thought. I'll just be honest. It's not. It takes me a minute to get, you know, paddling down the wrong river. I'm like, okay, we got to go backwards. Lord, forgive me for what I was thinking and praying. You know, I, I need you, Lord. 
Help me to be kind. Help me to be gentle. Help me to be patient. Help me to have self-control. Help me to be loving. Help me to be generous. That's not my nature. That's his nature that flows through me, that's growing in me, that I've become a man of God, that I wasn't a man of God. So it's easier for me to be a man of Tom, and the fruit that's always come from my tree is destruction. I still have to tap back into who he is and have his nature come out of me. You know, and sometimes it flows and, and I just naturally produce God's fruit. Why? Because I spent a lot of time trying to grow with him, so that stuff comes. However, there's times that Tom wants to take back over, and there's rotten fruit that wants to come. And I got to arrest those thoughts, put them back in the Jesus jail, recognize that the valley of the shadow of death is stirring again, and get back into who he's calling me to be so that I can continue to grow and continue to trust that his timing is what's best, that being faithful to his calling, his purpose, his plan is what's best, that I do not know what's best. You know, so lately I I find that my thinking has been going sideways in a couple of areas because I'm frustrated. I'm not being patient. You know, and I need to trust his timing and that closed doors don't mean that his will is done. You know, that I've learned through the years that rejection is redirection. You know, that, what was it? God's not done until it's good. Purcell told me that this week. And I'm like, that, that is, that's good. You know, that we all have something going on in our lives. We all have something that's going on between our ears. And we need more Jesus. We need his word to correct the way we think. We need his word to to help us to grow into the men and women he's calling us to be. You know, but how do I sort through it? You know, the fruits of the Spirit have, have been a filter for me that, that has worked for a long, long time now, and I, I've passed that on, you know, through this ministry, and, and there's several of, in, several of you in here that have heard this before, because it, it just is practical and it's easy. It's nine words, you know. You know, and if I can just hang on to these nine words that I can sort through the majority of the the craziness that goes on between my ears. Is it going to work for every single thing? Maybe not. But it's going to work through majority of the things that we think and and what doesn't we can talk to somebody about. You know, as we learn to arrest thoughts and we learn to use our freedom to exhibit love that we go to war for the right things and we're battling the right things. You know, that we use the word of God, the sword of the Lord, to come against lies, deception, anything decisive that the enemy is trying to do, that we recognize it quicker and quicker, that we're able to tell him to get behind us, we're able to tell him to go. You know, we can submit to God and the enemy will flee. 
as we learn to arrest these thoughts. You know, the enemy likes getting in there and getting us wound up, doesn't he? Yeah. You know, and then he isolates us. No, don't tell anybody what you're thinking. And he just spins that thing. And it gets crazier and crazier and crazier until I impulsively react. And the fruits of the Spirit through the years eventually kick in, and I'm like, oop, I need to arrest that thought and put it back in the Jesus jail. All right, enemy, I see what you're doing. It's just become easier through the years to use this principle, to use these verses to help me to take that next step towards God and away from what I want or what the enemy's trying to do. You know, and I wish that everything I wanted was godly because it's not, you know, I mean, I'm just human. You know, I want God to smite people with their almighty smiter. I won't lie. But I also want to be a man of God that, you know, moves with grace and love and kindness. Okay, God, you got to step forward with what you want me to do. I need to arrest the thought and put it back in the Jesus jail. You know, and I believe that some of us in here are struggling with similar things. Maybe you're not trying to smite anybody, but maybe you're just struggling with what's going on between your ears. And that, to me, is a normal process. We got to recognize which valley or which valleys and which rivers are heading south. And we got to tap into them and start to use the fruits of the spirit to, to say, all right, is this God or is this me? this the enemy you know and as we use the the fruits of the spirit to help us to sort through and filter what's going on between our ears i've noticed it's helped me quite a bit through the years to get me going in the right direction you know so if you could just stand with me tonight you know i just want you to to pray about what's going on between your ears just silently where you're standing Just ask God into what's been going on. You know, if anything has been prompted here tonight, you know, something I've said, maybe the Holy Spirit was talking to you. Just kind of let him in. There's things that you know need to go into the Jesus jail. Just ask the Lord for help to put that stuff there and recognize it. Try to put some handcuffs on it. You know from this point forward that that's not a God talk. Take a second and pray for yourself. I also encourage you, if there's anything that you need to repent of, take this opportunity to say, God, forgive me. You know, I want you. I want to change this behavior. I want to change this mindset. I don't want to live this way anymore. I need you in my life. I'm tired of going around this mountain. I'm tired of struggling in this area. You know, take this opportunity to ask him into that situation and ask him for your help, his help. Lord, I just thank you. Thank you for all that you're doing. Lord, I just pray that there's a renewing in our mind, Lord. I pray right now that you plant the seed of this teaching in our minds, Lord, that we can use the fruits of the Spirit to begin to filter what goes on between our ears, Lord, that we don't have to get stuck in some area from anger, some depression, lust, insecurity, fear. 
Lord, that we can begin to use your word, use your fruits of the spirit, your love, your joy, your peace, your patience, your kindness, your goodness, your faithfulness, your gentleness, and your self-control. That those fruits would begin to come out of us because that's who you are in us. Help us to grow, Lord. Help us to change into the men and women that you're calling us to be. Lord, and if we notice some area that is producing rotten fruit, Lord, that we would try to arrest those thoughts and bring them back to your word, Lord, that we could turn to a brother or sister in Christ and, and bring accountability into those areas so that we can truly begin to work on them. Lord, we need you more and more each day, Lord. Help us to overcome the things that we've been struggling with. Help us to trust that your word is true and mighty, that it renews our mind, that it's a powerful sword that pierces through the lies of the enemy and the truth of who you are. Lord, help us to begin to use your word to guide us, that your light would guide us, that your Holy Spirit would fill us to overflowing that you would empower us on to do your purposes and your calling. We just thank you for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen, amen, amen.